What's up, crew? Welcome to another Clover Tech podcast. It is February the 3rd, 2020. Going to be talking with uh, Rob from Tusk today. For whatever reason, my camera looks like it's out of focus, but uh, that sometimes is just the way it goes, I guess, with tech. Also, uh, the uh, sleet, snow, and other things are coming in, so hopefully we don't have internet issues. If we do, uh, we'll try to work through them, of course. Want to say thank you, as always, scroll down below to the Patreon patrons, the YouTube channel members, those that super chat, those that shop over at clovertech.com slash shop. We appreciate it. Uh, if you are joining us in replay, thank you for that. But remember, you can join us live and uh, participate in the conversation, the polls, everything else. For those that are live, if you've got questions moving forward through the podcast, throw them out in the chat in the live chat i will flag those uh, and be patient we'll get to them i don't like to derail conversations to ask questions that's kind of annoying when you see podcast hosts do that <laughs> uh interrupting somebody and go but i want to wait hold on i want to ask you a question i don't like that um anyway we've got a poll out there so if you're live you can participate in that question is do you currently own any crypto your options are yes i do no but considering it and no, I never will. Right now, 67% say, uh, yes, I do. I will raise my hand. I'm included in that, uh, even though I don't really understand it probably as well as I should. Uh, but then again, I don't have thousands and thousands of dollars tied up in it either, which I think is uh, is part of the key. Uh, with that, let's bring in our guest, Rob, from Tusk and get this uh, show rolling. How are you, Rob? Good. How are you doing today? I'm well. Um, so, yeah, let's start this out because my level of understanding with crypto uh, is pretty is pretty darn limited. I know we've had some conversation on some other chats about that. I've probably forgotten most of what you said uh, during that time. But I can remember crypto, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but crypto has been around a while because I can remember a brother-in-law of mine using USB flash drives and video cards and other things like 10 years ago, quote unquote, mining crypto. Um, and so to that point, the age, how long has crypto kind of been around, even though I'd say it's probably more popular and uh, pop culture, whatever you want to say nowadays, but also Calaveras out there kind of to this point as well says uh crypto doesn't seem to have any product backing it up so uh how long has crypto been around what is crypto i guess first basic terminology how long has it been around and is there anything tangible anything that actually backs up crypto couple questions a lot to unpack there one thank you for having me today and and i hope i can answer the questions in a way that is doesn't seem like latin or something weird or whatever so mm -hmm. Um, I would actually state, but take a step back. People say they don't understand crypto. I would actually, I could counter that and say most people don't understand how the SWIFT system works or how credit cards and debit cards are settled out either. Or the stock right? market. Or the stock market. Most people don't know how those things work, yet they use those things every single day. Mm -hmm. So from a technical standpoint, people want to know how something, they say they want to know how something works, but really they want the benefit of how that works. They don't necessarily want or need to know all the technical things. And, and I'm just throwing that as advocate because I barely knew about this stuff a couple of years ago too. So um, there's, there's a lot to unpack both from uh, 
all the monetary and policy stuff and all the politics and the, the technical stuff, right? Um, but in, but I, I would say is that cryptocurrency in the current form, the oldest one right now that's live is Bitcoin, it's like 12, 13 years old. Um, and just started getting popular, really started getting popular about 2017. Um, there are thousands of cryptocurrency projects that all do different things. But when it comes to like the money side of it, which is kind of what we're talking about and what we're doing with our TUS project, our application of this technology, is the big difference is who controls it, who starts it, and what are the rules about it. So if you think about it, dollars right now are all digital already. Most people don't know that even when the government like decides to borrow more money and print more money, they're actually not really printing it. It's literally just putting in things in zeros into a database. And that's the way most money is right now. Very few people are actually passing dollar bills around from one another. It's already mostly digital, whether it's a debit card or an ACH or, you know, uh, credit cards, right? Most of that, most of those transactions are already digital. Um, cryptocurrency is just another way to move value around digitally. The biggest difference is who put it out there, who's controlling it and who's you know, what are the rules around it? So right now, most government currencies, government issued currencies are what people are most familiar with, are literally, you know, digital already. So this isn't new. People are also very familiar with things like Venmo and PayPal and Cash App and Stripe and Square and all these things. Crypto is not. So eventually it won't be much different from the user perspective than those other um, payment systems that are out there. It's just that the, the mechanism, the underlying value and that is moved from one place to another is a little different, but the result is that you're moving value from one place to another. And I think in the future, not now, but in the future, people aren't gonna know which cryptos or care which cryptos are actually moving the value as long as it does move the value. Um, so I think the advantages and disadvantages out there is right now, I think we all know this, right? And a lot of us that pay attention is that the inflation's a real thing, maybe less so in other places. Uh, I can tell you where I live here in Utah, that just real estate, rent, all that stuff is basically doubled in five years. So for people here in Utah, where our, our salaries and, and jobs and uh, things have not doubled, we feel that. Um, the, the big difference in why that is, is that the government can just decide from a political standpoint to print more money or borrow more money and devalue all the money that's out in circulation. And so we call that monetary theory. When politicians decide that we're gonna do something with the money, it doesn't go to a vote of the people. It, it doesn't go through, so it doesn't have to, you know, you know, perform or conform to any particular law or principle. Politicians just do what they wanna do, right? And that affects you and I, and that is what's happened over the, so many last, you know, all the last administrations for the last, you know, probably 20 political administrations, they just keep adding more money to the national debt, but now those numbers just getting start getting worse and worse with every presidency. So the difference is with crypto is that the people that are putting it out there, um, well, you're sitting in front of, like right now I'm talking to you, I'm one of the people that put out something, so I'm, right. I, I'm here. Right. Um, Hi, I'm Rob. Um, and the thing is there's rules about it. And so here, instead of the government deciding to change the rules whenever they want, cryptocurrencies are put out by individuals, special interest groups. They can even be put out by companies if they wanted to. But the, we call it open source software. And software governs how this new type of digital money uh, 
performed. It's the law, the monetary policy. It's not determined by got, you know, politicians with all sorts of conflicts of interest in a smoky room. What's happening is, you know, we write, we think how we think would be the best way to govern this new type of digital money. And, and then it's put into software, which everybody can see. And it's very difficult to change those rules once they're put into the software. They can be, and there's reasons why you should, um, but it's very difficult, but it's all done out in public. And so in, in our blockchain, and every blockchain has different ways of governing, right? Making the rules, changing the rules. There are processes for that. And those are also very, you know, out there in the open. Um, and so I think the big difference is understand from an end user standpoint, whether it's government issued currency that moves digitally or let's say privately issued money did issued digitally the difference is how the rules are made and who governs it i mean that's what it comes down to and i think from the end user perspective that's the important part so two things i i, I would like to unpack off of that uh so let's start out first when you hear somebody or at least i did back in the day i don't hear nearly as much of it nowadays when somebody says they're mining crypto what does mm -hmm. that typically mean so there are different so different types of technologies run blockchains. There's like three or four main technologies, and they all do it a little differently. When you hear mining, that usually refers to a certain type of blockchain. And what ends up happening is uh, the server nodes that run these networks are independently operated. Um, in the case of a mined, like Bitcoin is a proof of work blockchain. I don't want to get too technical, so I don't want to like lose people. But understand, right. so how, so how, so basically, the mining process in a very high level is how new coins or tokens are created. Okay, that's it. And so, um, in the case of Bitcoin, they have to have very expensive, specialized um, computers to do that. It's actually these to just do one processor. It's like you know nine, ten, fifteen thousand dollars now. Um, so it's outside the purview of most people. Um, our blockchain, we don't have the same type of mechanism to create new coins. We have block producers. We don't call them miners. But for the sake of supporting the network, understand uh, a miner or a stake. Uh, let's say the terms would be miner, validator, block producer. The, they all are basically a computer that runs the network. And they get paid for running the network in the coin of the network. So. Um, in our blockchain, Tusk, our block producers are independent. Think of them as independent businesses. Mm -hmm. And they set up a server. They get elected to participate to you know, run a server in the network. And then every time new Tusk is created, they get rewarded for that. And they get a small piece of those, those what we call block rewards, and they get paid for that. And so that's basically how the, the networks work when it comes to crypto. So is it similar? Because I've heard it explained this way, and I'm gonna, I'm going to go old school, and I think it was Superman three, way back in the day. Uh, <laughs> was wasn't that Richard Pryor, and he was siphoning off like hundreds of a penny mm -hmm. with banking with banking transactions, right? Is that sort of how the the binding process, the crypto works, only with information? It's little bits of unique information that are put together. I'm trying Not to wrap really. my head around like how does it how do you go from and, and I know it's difficult, especially layman's terms to throw it out there. Mm -hmm. I totally get it, Rob, but I'm trying to go from you know people aren't just getting on their computer and photoshopping a coin and then going, Oh, I have no. a bitcoin, right? 
it's no. there it's coming from somewhere there's something in the software in the that that is that people are finding these little bits of whatever that together comprise the crypto correct okay I'll, all right so i'm going to go a little more technical to explain kind of the process so we've heard the term blockchain it came from a thing called a chain of blocks and so think of that as a permanent record so in a, in a blockchain, think of us, I'm going to try to think of us, just imagine a ring with a bunch of computers in it. And right. then as transactions go around that network, a new coin is created and think of it as a mine cart that takes that data now. So you, so uh, a miner will make, let's just say, make a wagon. That's the new block. And they put transactions in it. And then those transactions that people are trying to get information across the network, they create a block that goes around the ring and then enough, basically enough of the group of the, all those other, all the other computers in there, they all agree that that's a valid transaction. Ah. And then they drop those things off. And then when enough, like we call it consensus. So when enough of those computers agree to the transaction, it's made part of the permanent record of the blockchain. And so during that process, all the servers that validate that node or some of them, depending, because there's different ways it can be done, um, now get paid for that service. Ah, uh, okay. And that's and so that's how it works. So what happens is you have to. So different blockchains have different. They call them consensus mechanisms on how right. transactions are made a part of the permanent record. Mm -hmm. And for that service, these computers, the, which are independently owned and operated by people unknown to each other, run the same software, and they agree to make the transactions permanent and to move the data around the network. And they get paid for that. That's how most blockchains, that's how they work. And then obviously all of those, all of those records, the history, the everything else is kept so that mm -hmm. you can, you can validate it all the way back to the beginning, right? Correct. That way that's there correct. can't so, be, there can't be any shenanigans because it's like, we've got the complete record of this. That's the whole idea of the blockchain, right? A complete record. So, so the so it's very rare that a blockchain is hacked itself. The encryption mechanism, SHA-256 is the, the most blockchains use that encryption, is basically not able to be encrypt, decrypted or hacked yet. Um, there have different types of blockchains do have some attack vectors, and this gets into cybersecurity, and there's ways to defend against them and things like that. But for the most part, blockchain technology is really, really solid and really, really right. robust. It's almost impossible to hack it at this point. Um, yeah. Where you see people typically get scammed is they're sending money to people they don't know, or they're giving up their, their literally their, their keys to their wallet and then people take it out. It's almost all phishing attacks right now in crypto. Um, and so, and the other thing I heard, and I didn't know this that, cause I think because I'm in this space, I just assume everybody has a certain level of understanding how these things work, but they don't. And so, um, so for instance, a lot of people don't understand that, um, if you, you know, I heard that people are worried about crypto that if they drop their phone, they lose their coins, right? And that's actually not the case at all. The coins technically, when you have a wallet, you know, so how crypto works is you have a wallet and you have a special crypto key. And then, you know, what ends up happening is that wallet controls your key. Um, and you can, and when you set up the wallet, you write down the key phrase to recover that. But when you move a transaction from one wallet address to another, that's actually physically not on your phone. 
And so you can't actually lose them because the coins never technically leave the blockchain. Mm-hmm. Right. And and some people think like, oh, if I lose my phone or my computer, you know, I'm going to lose all my coins. Not the case at all. Um, and if you properly back up your key phrase, if you if you're so basically the wallet just can hold your key. Uh-huh. Um, and so, but you should have a backup. So when you make your wallet, you always make a backup. And I always say make a backup of that backup and put it in a separate location. Um, so you always have a backup of that, but you could recover your wallet at any time if you have that key phrase. Um, that's why you also never give that key phrase out to anybody. Right. right. Don't trust or don't know. And right. people do, and then they lose their key coins because then people take the coins, you know, they take their coins from them and that's what really sucks. But understand that, uh, a hard drive failure should never cost you your keys because the coins are always permanently on the blockchain. They're just moving around to a different port of, part of the blockchain. And then your keys just gives you the ability to move your coins in and out of your own wallet. That's all they do. Right. And uh, it's a lot to, it's a lot to take in. And for most it people is. out there, you know, I get it. I get the skepticism. I get, you know, that's going to happen with any new technology, but uh, you know, you mentioned Bitcoin being 10, 12 years old. And I think that's important. I think that's something when you do have people that are skeptical, it's something to point out to go, look, this is not something new that's happened over the last couple of years, right? This is something that started a, over a decade ago and has been progressively hashed out. Second thing that I would point out to, you know, any of the, and there, again, nothing wrong with being skeptical. Just got to sure. kind of get open mind. I see Calaveras out there. He says, I've lost. Yeah. Uh, that's that's easy to do. Easy to do. Uh, I understand. Here it is. I am lost. He says, uh, I get it. So the second thing when we're talking about, you know, the skepticism and stuff is potentially, uh, or I say potentially, is that a lot of big, huge companies I've seen when we talk blockchain, right? And the blockchain technology, a lot of big, huge companies are using that. It's not guys in their mom's basement on a keyboard. We're talking about some fairly mainstream use of blockchain tech, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you see a lot of more. You see, there are literally hundreds of billions of dollars from corporations being put into blockchain from an investment standpoint, but also building out um, blockchains for specific applications and purposes. And so you're going to see nothing more than that because the underlying technology from that, you know, is underneath cryptocurrency and NFTs and things like that absolutely solves a lot of problems that were never possible before. So right now there's a, like whenever there's a gold rush of new opportunity and new technologies, you get one, a lot of hype, you get a lot of scams, you get a lot of people that are run over, you get a lot of businesses that try to go in there and fail. But then once you get over that hump, then the, the projects that are focused on real value and solving real problems now come into being. So um, you look like you're about as probably as old as me. I remember the dot-com bubble and crash back in 1999, 2000. I made a lot of money on that, like some people have with crypto, but I understood it at the time. So, so understand, most of the companies that did IPOs at that time were garbage. If you said we're a member, if you were dot-com anything, people would throw money at you. Right. And so here's the problem. Most of those companies failed and there was hypes and there were scams, fake companies that people were just looking for investment. Um, and But if you, you fast forward a couple of years after that, you get into 2003, 2004, five, Amazon blew up. You got Google, you got Facebook, you got Twitter, you got, and not that I'm saying that these companies are great, Apple blew up. You look at all the technological advances that came out. Look at the rise of e-commerce. 
back then in 1999, people were like, I would never put a credit card into a web browser, right? Skepticism. And, and now can you imagine not doing e-commerce? Can you imagine not buying something on amazon.com or what have you? And right. so understand this technology is gonna be, will revolutionize insurance. It'll revolutionize e-commerce. It will revolutionize stocks and investing and money going forward. Right. And so it's, it's not gonna happen overnight. I mean, it's just, you know, it's gonna take the decade five, 10, 15 years before this becomes super, super woven into our society. But it's real exciting now because it's just new and interesting. And to me, um, I think it can solve some real problems and real problems that like affect even like the gun industry, for instance. And so um, I do think this will be the future. Um, and I think it's gonna affect governments worldwide. It's gonna affect political power worldwide. It pulls out frack, it pulls out friction in a lot of systems. Um, like even credit card processing and moving money around the world, this revolutionizes all those things. So it's here to stay. Now, how it looks in five or 10 years and how it looks in different countries in five or 10 years, I can't say, but I can tell you, I understand enough of the fundamentals about it, that this will revolutionize a lot of industries. And a lot of people are gonna go down kicking and screaming because it just basically upends a lot of things. And so I think that if anything understands a new way to do a lot of different things, and it can help things, it can hurt things. And so I think it's, but I think it's really, really interesting to see where this is gonna go. So we've got a few questions out there. Let's field those. And uh, while I am dealing with uh, the chat and stuff here, mentioned that first of all, we do have the uh, poll up. Do you currently own any crypto? And uh, yes, I do is 50% now. So uh, lost a little ground on that. Got 23%. No, but considering it and 27% say never will. I would caution never say never. Uh, and to that, that leads into some of the questions. Let's work on a few of these so we don't get too far behind. Some of these you uh, covered. I think G-Web's come in a little bit late. Uh, but uh, how many people understand how the credit card works and how uh, many expected the credit card to be explained to them before they accepted one from the bank and started using it to buy things online. Goes on uh, here to say, uh, did your 18-year-old version, getting your first credit card, ask the banker a lot of questions about how the system works, or did you ask things like, where can I use this? So um, valid, uh, valid points, which you brought up of course, earlier. Uh, and then we've got uh, Calaveras. It's got a couple here, and so does G-Webs. Uh, Calaveras says, uh, can crypto be used to buy day-to-day -day products, examples, fuel, food, pay bills? And then, uh, of course, G-Webs follows up down here with uh, Tusk, which is your crypto, says uh, cost uh, the gun shop zero in transaction fees, costs us no fees. Uh, and goes on to say that uh, we can use TUS to buy things and no bank decides if that transaction is okay. So we'll get to probably he's get still, into the particulars. Right. You should, you should give him the mic. I'm um, sure we'll get I'm sure we'll get into the specifics of Tusk and the usability uh, sure. here in, in just a few minutes. But it, it crypto in general, how widely accepted is that currently with as Calabara says, day to day goods? It's not. <laughs> so um, that's part of it. So he's valid, valid concern. 
So what we see out there, and, and I think that separates our project from many others, is that most of the crypto projects out there right now um, are focused on the investment side of it and not so much on the adoption side of it. And our project's completely reverse of that. We've been really focused on trying to get the adoption side of it more so than the, the hype around the investment piece. So we've never tried to tell people to buy. By the way, we never sold Tusk. We never sold coin. We bootstrapped this. We didn't. We never said this was an investment. We never sold it. So one, it's hard to scam people when you don't take anybody's money. Let's start there. We never did. We gave the entire supply originally away for four years. We've been doing this for four years now. We're just now getting some traction. It takes a long time to get people to consider and take risks and look at this new technology. As far as use um, numbers of places, so we're one of the first place to play. Um, projects that I'm aware of that is actually out there trying to get adoption. So there's a lot of problems with that. So um, right now, um, there's not a lot of places that people can accept Tusk right now. Um, we're working on that. So we have like a certain, there has to be like a certain order when you're trying to do this. So where our focus has been working um, more so with the retail side, um, and we're looking at getting integrated into, you know, payment processors that we don't want to compete with payment processors. We want to work with them. We, we sure. say, look, just add us to your own point of sale system. And that gets right. us out there. Um, and as we grow, and this is a growth process, we think it's going to take a couple of years before we really have a lot of transactions really going through this, the network for there are a lot of reasons, because you got to get the retailers on board. You have to get a lot of, uh, what we call infrastructure for on and off firms. How do you buy it with dollars? Well, guess what? The banking industry doesn't want to play with us. Just like they don't want to play with the gun industry, right? So it's right. like, it's hard to get some of those on and off ramps. We are actively working on a solution. So there are some crypto exchanges though, um, and we're not listed on the one, but CoinZoom is one that actually has their own debit card that you can actually prepay with your crypto on their exchange. So there are ways, so you can use that anywhere. And they just do the hand, they just do the magic on the back end. So from the user perspective, it's no different than using Visa. So we are looking at working with exchanges that already have those kind of technologies in place at some point. So you can use Tusk anywhere. So that is something we will be doing. We have to become a bigger project first before sure. they'll consider working with us. So it is a baby steps growth kind of thing. And it's something we're very well aware of. There's also crypto ATM networks across the country. We've already been in talks with some of the biggest ones for integrations there. Again, it's a growth thing. And so the other thing is the gun thing fucks us. <laughs> so um, because a lot of the people that work in the software and FinTech or financial technology sectors, um, they're all headquartered in, oh, Seattle, uh, Portland, San right. Francisco, New York. And guess what? They don't like guns. Yeah. So we are getting a little bit outside the gun world, um, which was always the plan anyways. We, we're just run by gun guys. So we're like, we think that this solves big problems for the gun world. Um, and so we wanted to start there. But the idea with Tusk was always to go out to other industries as well after, you know, you know, sometime kind of like Amazon started with books and then worked their way out to music and clothes and everything in the world now. Um, right. So understand we we're here for the long term. Uh, we've been doing this for four years. We're not stopping. We're not worried about we're not running out of money or anything like that. So um, we know that this is a long process. But here's the thing the, we think that if you look at the politics around the gun world and payments is the fact that they're coming after the gun industry. They're doing everything they can to financially deplatform gun retailers that are completely lawful, completely constitutional. And there is no backup plan. 
if the banks really final, you know, put the final nails in the coffin on credit card processing for the two A world. We are a decentralized project. Um, we don't have the ability to shut accounts down, even if we wanted to. It's just not possible. And so the beauty of a decentralized network like Tusk or other cryptos is that the banks don't get a say in it. And so it's like almost having an insurance policy against being deplatformed. Even right. if you're not getting a lot of transactions with it in the beginning, it's that infrastructure is there in case you need it. Now, would you, and we're going to get specifically into Tusk. I got two more quick questions I want to get to that, that are kind of general crypto, but with, with Tusk, before we get into that, um, would you encourage people to reach out to their local gun shops and talk to them about maybe you utilizing Tusk? Sure. Absolutely. So, so uh, I want to, I want to uh, piggyback on that a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. The structure of Tusk. We're what they call a decentralized is a big fancy term. Um, we're a decentralized autonomous organization. This is a new thing you'll start hearing a lot. They call it a DAO or DAO. And what that means is we're not a company. We're some we're kind of like a nonprofit crossed with a co-op. Mm -hmm. So there is no CEO, there's no LLC, there's no one in charge centrally making decisions. I am not the boss of Tusk. I don't own Tusk. It's not my company. I am one of the co-founders, but all the decision making around Tusk is done via voting online in a very secure manner. So when you receive Tusk, not only have you do you get the value of whatever Tusk you own is but you also get voting rights in our community to help make decisions and so i like to tell people like if someone wants to go talk to a gun shop about accepting tusk you don't have to ask my permission like the community would love that become part of the community and right. tell people hey i want to do this if you want someone wants someone's in the process of setting up a, a tusk shooting team nationwide and that's not it's just a community member i'm not in charge of it i don't tell him what to do he doesn't ask permission he wants to do it and he's um you know, they've been putting jerseys on people and they're competing in right. local events and, and it's happening. And that's the cool thing about this this new technology is that you can work with people you don't necessarily even know to further align and further work towards solving a problem. So if someone wants to go talk to a gun store, absolutely. And if they have someone that maybe they need some help trying to articulate how this could fit into their business, I'd be happy to help because I'm I try to think of myself as ambassador of Tusk, but I'm not the boss of Tusk. Gotcha. Uh, now, Calaveras out there, he says, uh, I understand the gentleman has his own crypto company. I guess he just, Rob just explained, not really his company. It's not even a company, but uh, he said, how should someone, this is valid though, how should someone evaluate to determine which type of crypto they should go with? So you talked about the different you know, types of crypto and the way that things were done. Um, is there certain things? And gosh, we're going to get real technical here, I feel. But is there certain things that somebody should look for depending on what they're looking for, the outcome, in other words? Well, I, well, I guess it would have to start is are, are they looking at it from the perspective that they're trying to invest money and make money with something? Right. Or are they looking at it from the perspective of they're a retailer and we want to go through and, you know, have an alternative payment method? Mm -hmm. So those are very, there's almost a conflict there. Like those are two very different things. I always say... That's a difference between a customer and an investor. So think of it as imagine a person that buys Amazon.com stock versus someone who might shop at Amazon.com or maybe set up a store on Amazon.com. Those are right. two different people or maybe three different people. And so um, so I'd have to know a little more about that. So 
from an so one i don't give investment advice i don't even tell people i i don't tell anybody to buy tusk i've never done that i don't tell people that it's going to go to the moon i don't do any of that kind of stuff i tell people that if we create value the price will come that's all i'm going to say on it but i don't know if it will it might not and so that's why i don't tell people to invest in it um what i do tell people is that we'll work really hard to make it a useful tool for retailers in the industry and trying to solve that problem and we've been doing that for four years so if someone was so i would say if i had to look at things from i am an investor personally and you know i own a bunch of different cryptos as investments um and so but i think the long-term investment crypto that i trust the most that i've used part of my pension would be bitcoin and because i and i say bitcoin's the only one that i really would say that i'm comfortable telling people that i think they should have some exposure to and and one, I think that exposure should be a very small part of their <clears throat> overall investment plan. Sure. Because I still think all crypto is still at this point high risk investing, including Bitcoin. But I think Bitcoin's its own kind of like category. And I say that to me, I like Bitcoin from the standpoint of it as an, as an investment because so many big companies have put billions of dollars into it. And so they're not going to let it go to zero. Right. right. Um, outside of that. You got to remember there's different types of blockchains. Most blockchains are not just payments, right? There's there's all sorts of additional functionality that different blockchains have over other blockchains. So that's where it starts getting a lot more complicated. And then from an investment standpoint, you got to take all that into account. Um, or if you're trying to look for a solution to a certain problem, you got to take into all those features and benefits. So, um, but there's thousands of different blockchains out there, but I would say start with looking at Bitcoin because it's been around the longest. There's more resources about it to get educated on. There's more wallets out there to get educated on it. So start your learning journey and then, you know, start figuring out what your risk profiles are. Um, I would, if you're going to invest in crypto, it is more volatile and, and volatility is a fact that most people are just investing in it. And most people are, most cryptos don't have anybody buying and selling goods and services with them. And as we believe that as a project that's focused on getting people to buy and sell things more than, and we're looking at that more than being an investment vehicle is that the idea is that as more people are actually doing these transactions across the network, the price will stabilize on its own, right? right? And so that's, so if you think about it, why cryptos are so volatile is that there's so much like high frequency trading going on and there's not, there's not like this stable value of like, oh, people are doing, you know, buying barrels of oil or something through it and running those transactions right. through, which would naturally stabilize that. It's right. like, the, why is the dollar actually outside of inflation compared to why is the dollar very, you know, you know, stable, whereas like, you know, money in Venezuela is not. And so they're all, they're both government issued currency, both don't have anything, you know, underlying them. They're not pegged to a value of some commodity or anything like gold or oil or something. And so the difference is that there's a lot more transactions going across dollars and it used to be considered more stable from a political monetary point of view. So more people trust it than they do right. Venezuelan, you know, pesos or whatever. So um, ultimately that's what we're different. And we know just like as we go up and we grow, we will become, our price will go up as we get more popular and more people hear about us. But then that price at some point will probably come to its own natural equilibrium. But that's a growth project too. It's a growth process as well. So, Right. So... It, it's sort of like on the investment side, sort of like buying a an original old school, let's say Colt Walker, putting it in the safe, taking it out, looking at it every now and then, whatever, and 
going out and buying, you know, seven, eight, nine hundred dollar handgun that you're going to actually go to the range with and shoot every day. Tusk is the latter, right? It's like we want you to use this. I like to tell people that like a lot of people in the Bitcoin and by the way, all these different crypto products have its own community underneath it, right? Mm -hmm. That support them and, and, and get the word out about them and stuff. So the, the Bitcoin community likes to call themselves digital gold. Um, I like to tell people we're trying to be the Venmo to their digital gold. Right. And so, cause we're focused on transactions. And so, right. yes, exactly. And so um, I believe Bitcoin's an amazing personally, I think it's a great long-term investment. Um, and there is a lot of volatility that's going to come along that way. Um, but I think we probably are more technically suited for payments just because we're faster and cheaper to do transactions on and things like that. So um, and we're out there knocking on doors. So like I'll give you a great example. Like, you know, we just had SHOT Show and every year there's a big the, there's really the biggest you know, SHOT Show is like the big gun show. And then the week after that's typically the big, the biggest crypto conference in Miami. And usually I go to one and then the other. I go usually from Vegas to Miami for that. And I can tell you crypto conferences are fun. Like there's a lot of good fun parties and stuff. Right. But the problem is this year, both of those events were on the same day. Oh, I had to wow. pick one, right? I went to SHOT Show. And Jeez. why I went to SHOT nice. Show instead of Miami. By the way, I tend I tend to have more fun in Miami. You know, I'm out all night right. with SHOT Show. I'm literally in my room at 8 o'clock, like, getting ready to get up in the morning. And so, um, and, and why I decided to go to SHOT Show is because I view that as the industry we're focused on. That's where our customers are going to be. Right. That's, that's, so we're focused that I say we're optimized for customers and retailers, whereas most crypto companies or, or projects are focused on investors. They're optimized for investors. And we're just not. We've never worried about the investment side of it. Um, we are now, now we're going to start working on the getting liquidity up so retailers can have more confidence that if they accept us for payments, they'll be able to sell it and turn it back into dollars or some other crypto. Sure. Um, so we're going to be opening up literally some liquidity pools on other blockchains. And we got a bunch of new exchange listings coming on, which will help that. So, um, but again, this is all growth process, right? So um, I tell like, even with retailer, they say, if you're a retailer, one, I don't think you're going to get many transactions yet, even if you start accepting it. Um, it's just about building that network and building confidence within the community more than anything. But on the other hand, if you, you know, need to like if you're especially a mom and pop store and you can't hold on to Tusk, let's just say someone did buy something and you can't sit on it for a while, we're probably not ready for you yet. Right. And I'm okay with that. Like I know this is a growth process. But if you believe in what we're doing and you're like, hey, you know what, I'll take, you know, I've, I could handle a couple sales and it just I want to get involved anyway, then let's talk. And and in 12 months from now, we're going to be in a I think we're going to be in a very different position as well. Because we just right. have a lot of big things that we've been working on for years that are literally lining up and landing this year, like the GOA thing we just did, you know, at Shot Show. Yeah. Now, you know, speaking of Shot Show, that ties into uh something that G Webs had, had thrown out there earlier. By the way, if you got questions here. Uh, throw them out there in the chat and we will do our best to get to those. Uh, I'm sure this was part of what you were doing out there at Shot Show, but he says bigger challenge in 22 education on quote, what cyber is or quote, why to consider cyber. So I'm sure you had a lot of those conversations during mm -hmm. shot. Can you give you some insight on where the hurdles are with uh, when you're talking to people like you did at shot? 
Sure. So, um, yeah, actually, we're going to be um, setting up a whole dedicated website with a lot of like literally schoolhouse rock type videos to go over all the basics of crypto um, to help people that don't understand. And we're not trying to say it in a dumb way. We're just going to you know, we don't want to say people are dumb. We're just going to try to really simplify it in a way that like average people can understand it because people do want to know the technical specs. And I'm like, well, go do that with Visa, <laughs> you know, but um, so we're going to be setting up a dedicated website for that purpose with lots of explainer videos. We do have some on our already. We have some educational content on our website at Tusk.network, but we're going to do a lot more of that and we'll do a more video and try to make it, you know, pizzazzy and stuff. So we are going to be doing that literally uh, one of our community members, I'm telling you, this is like, it's like almost like being in a business, but so one of our community members, there's about 500 different software packages that help make those videos. I got someone actually working right now to pick the right software. Right. And he's going to give me the report this weekend. He's just a community member. Right. And so I said, Hey, can you go do that? Cause we need to figure this out because we need to make a bunch of videos. We should buy the software. So this is the kind of stuff we're looking at. So we're going to do that and probably call it to a blah, blah, blah.com crypto, whatever, and try to just, you know, do that educational material. So um, why cyber? Um, that's really simple. The bottom line is the, the a lot of people don't know this outside of the retail part of the gun industry, but it's very hard for gun retailers to get financial services, whether it's a checking account or credit card payment processing. And the ADL and PayPal are actively looking and researching on how to basically create a financial no-fly list. The industry is working really hard to do, you know, deplatform and, and put the final nail into the coffin of guns and gun sales. And so what we offer and what other crypto products can offer to the 2A world is the fact that we have accounts that can't be shut down. We have networks that can't be shut down because of the way that all those servers that kind of run the network are independently operated all over the world. Like we have a block producer node that I know is run out of Ho Chi Minh, Vietnam. You know, and so it's like you have these global networks that confirm the block. So even if the, the U.S. government doesn't like, you know, a network and they can't take it down if they wanted to. And we don't even have the capability in the software to shut down accounts. So um, if, let's just say the banks and PayPal and all this decide to try to take down an industry by permanently deplatforming them from processing. They can't do that with crypto. And so that's the probably the number one thing that's really different about it is that it's like it's like this insurance policy against deplatforming. Mm -hmm. uh, Honcho out there. It's coming in. He said, uh, anyone know or hear about any farmers retailers that accept Bitcoin NFT mm -hmm. purchases? So uh, was that There's plenty. part There's of your part of your conversation at SHOT Show? Can you talk about that? So, yeah. So, I mean, I know right now, if you go to, if you go to citizenarmor.com, you can buy body armor with Tusk. There's a pawn. So again, uh, there's a pawn shop up uh, East side traders in upstate New York that accepts Tusk for payments right now. Um, as far as Bitcoin, there's a lot more that take Bitcoin. Um, right. I think uh, Rex Silentium suppressors takes Bitcoin right now for suppressors. We're talking to them right now and a couple other suppressor manufacturers about accepting nice. Tusk as well. Um, so there's lots of them, but that hasn't been our focus yet. So like, so and this is why, so I think there's about 55,000 FFLs in the country right now, just trying to send one flyer to each one of them a couple times is like hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so what well, our strategy has been, let's get involved with the payment processors that already have the software in, you know, 2000 stores here, 500 stores there. Right. 
And so our strategy has been because, I mean, we're just a small group of people. I, we don't have the resources to spend millions of dollars on doing all this marketing. So our we've just been focused not on trying to knock on individual retailers doors, um, but actually go work with big players. And even since SHOT Show, I've been talking to nothing but banks and credit card processors that are interested in looking at the crypto option. Um, I think there's, all I'll say is I'll know in about a week if we got a big thing to announce. We've been working on a relationship with a major player in that space for two years, and they're very interested in working with us. So we're just trying to get into final steps. So I would say by the end of this year, there's gonna be a lot more retailers coming on board and accepting Tusk and maybe other cryptos. It's just it's a it's a growth process. So we and I we're completely honest that we're early. We're really early, but you know there's no one else doing this. It's, right. Most it's funny because even in crypto, a lot of the crypto people hate guns. <laughs> so it's like they're not they're not willing to even work with the industry. At right. least I'm willing to spend my fun Miami time over in Vegas with the gun guys. Um, to help onboard them, at least get them to know about us and talk to us. But I would say well, probably over the next 12, 18 months, we're going to get a lot of traction with a lot of retailers through these integrations. It's just a different strategy. Um, we don't have the ability to knock on individual doors very much. So if someone out there has any interest in helping with that, yeah, uh, yeah. anybody wants to come on, just so you know, we already have payment gateways for all the major e-commerce shopping cart softwares out there through a group called forgingblock.io. That's forgingblock.io. And you can accept other cryptos with that too, not just Tusk. It's a multi-coin payment integrator. They have like a Shopify and a WooCommerce and some other things on there mm -hmm. for the plugins for this e-commerce shopping cart software. You literally download, set up an account, download it for free, set up a Tusk account. Now you can accept Tusk. It's all free for the retailer and there's no transaction fees for the retailer. And if you want to do all that, it's really straightforward. Let us know. We'll put your website on our, we'll put a link to it on our website. Um, yeah, let's get to a couple of questions real quick. I suppose I've got a, I've got a question. Hopefully I don't forget it. Uh, reminder that we do have the poll out there. We'll be closing that out here in just a little bit. Do you currently own any crypto? Uh, 37% now. Yes, I do. 32% no, but considering it and 32% no, I never will. So almost even Steven split, um, uh, Roboto out there. You spoke on this a little earlier, but he says, is there, uh, is there a crypto 101 or crypto for dummies reference I can review? There's a there's a book for dummies for just about everything. But if you had to point to somebody to one publication or website or something to try to uh, parse the crypto world, what would that be? I would start with the Bitcoin standard. There's a book you can get on Amazon. It's probably the go-to first book to really talk about Bitcoin and the technology and the philosophy behind it. That's a great start. Um, there's unlimited amount of resource. You think there's gun YouTubers? Go look at the crypto world, right? There's way more out there than there are gun YouTubers. Um, and we do have some documentation on our website and a blog as well. That's more of our project specific stuff. There's actually, right. if you go under the, uh, I think it's under the about us, there's a thing that says documentation and there is some documentation in there. And um, if you have any specific questions, let me know. And like I said, we are going to be doing more documentation. So we're going to be doing that too. Um, someone pointed out some stuff I hadn't thought about. And like, look, we're not, we're a community project. Anybody can build that, right? So it's like, if anybody's interested, here's a cool thing. Um, when any, um, we have this worker pool. And so every time new tusks are created, it goes to two pots. It goes to pay the block producer who made it, who created that, that those new coins. But then part goes to this worker fund and anybody can put in a proposal to do work for Tusk. It gets voted on by the community. 
this is, it's like literally direct democracy on this part of it. And, and if you, so if you wanted to do marketing or if you wanted to write documentation or do programming, you can put in a worker proposal and we haven't had, we really haven't had any legitimate ones not get passed at this point. And you can start earning Tusk. It automatically goes into your wallet and there's no 1099. You still have to pay your taxes, but that's not on us. And then, you know, you can do work for the network too and start earning Tusk just for doing basic stuff. Like it's like, we need everything. So someone had a unique idea, like, you know, someone wants to do this team Tusk thing for the shooting team. I'm like, let's do it. Sounds great. I'll support. I can't do it. I don't have the time. I was talking to a guy late last night. I said, when we're a bigger project, now this is down the line, he's involved with off-road racing. And I said, I'd wow. love to have a team truck. I'd love to have a trophy truck that said Team Tusk on it. I think that'd be freaking awesome. We're, we're probably a couple of years from that, but that's the stuff we're interested in. So, so for instance, let's just say there was a trophy truck team and we're a bigger project, or maybe well, they could do it now if they wanted to. And they're willing to like take a sponsorship in Tusk. They could put in a worker proposal that we will put Team Tusk on our trophy truck for this many Tusks. This is how many races we're going to go. The community votes on it. Boom, they do it. Right. <laughs> so this is the beauty of a decentralized project. Anybody can contribute in any way that they can think of and uh, and be creative. And then this is why like it literally is a community run thing. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, instead of Visa telling you what to do and how as a merchant or a retailer, the community you can be a merchant and still be part of the whole community and be a part of the rulemaking or being part of you know if you want to vote on things and and if you want to support you know worker proposals you as a retailer remember every time you get tusk you get voting power and so the more tusk you have the more voting power you have and so i think it's just like it's just kind of a new way of doing things um and a lot of people aren't used to that but this is the future and and I think that I'm pretty excited about it. And and that's what I like about it, because we are like a co-op, like in that aspect, because mm -hmm. now we get to work together and you could contribute in any way that you wanted to. And you could say, you know, I really am not big on this whole trophy truck thing, but I really like the Team Tusk thing. I want to do some of that in my neighborhood. I will and maybe I work and I'll sponsor some Team Tusk events in near me or, so, you know, and, and yada, yada, yada. Somebody's got a canoe race and they want to put a Team Tusk thing on it and get their canoe race sponsor. I don't care. Let's right. do it. And right. that's the beauty of this. Everybody can contribute and get involved and have some say. And now we grow this into a, like a much more organic way, a much more honest way. And that's what's exciting about crypto to me. Well, and to, and to combat a little bit of the skepticism, I mean, that's an awesome thing too, right? Because people can actually be a part of mm -hmm. the community and the decision-making process. My question for that is that if somebody is out there, what type of, I don't want to say investment because we've done covered that. Tusk is really not set up for that currently, but what type of skin in the game does one need with Tusk in order to be, to have access to that community and have a say you can actually be a block producer without owning any tusk so you could actually set up a server and if you can convince enough people to vote for you you could be a block producer and actually earn tusk without even owning any mm -hmm. now that's a little harder because the block producers those are elected positions and they it's like on hoa almost um and so but you, you know you have you can have any amount of tusk gives you you know it gives you input Gotcha. Um, and so as we grow, the, and as we grow, it's just going to get me door. The, the project will actually, as we grow, get more decentralized over time. It's like anti-fragile. It's designed to get more decentralized as it gets bigger. Mm -hmm. um, 
but yeah, anybody can participate. And the thing is, you don't some of the some of the most active members that are involved with our product don't even have. They're not even some of the biggest holders. So it's just you have to get excited about the project and and participate. It's just I think it's just like anything else. We because voting is part of what we do. We have voter apathy with our project, just like you have voter apathy in the real world. So the more people that vote, I'm more excited about. It. I want to see people vote. I want people to get active. So right. um, this is a way that you can do that. Nice. We've got uh, Lucy out there. Ricardo says. Uh... Clover. Hello, everyone. So thanks for uh, that, Lucy. Good to see you out there, my friend. Um, yeah, we had a question. Guns of, and I don't know if this is, I don't know what Guns and Barbecue is talking about with this question. Uh, but says, what about something that people can print off at home and take to their local gun shop if they want it? I don't know if he's talking about an info sheet for yeah, Tusk or he's not understanding the getting away from paper thing and you like printing off a gift certificate code so uh explain that out there guns yes. barbecue if you're still listening what you mean um and we'll go from there but do you have any type of an info sheet that people could do that or is that I something actually that have we do have some digital files for uh you could print out which is actually we do have a flyer um nice. and there but you know we probably need to make something better and new but that put it on my list but yeah, I think that would be something, but if someone else wanted to do it even better, you know, kind of thing. So we, yeah, that's, I mean, the more stuff like that is what we need. We And I actually think I might have some, I had some flyers printed at one point. I might still have some. So if someone actually wanted those and reached out to me, I would actually send them some if I could find some. But I certainly could send some stickers out and some patches too if someone wanted to do that. Right. Very cool. So, yeah, I think we're caught up with all the questions. Thanks for all of that. I'm going to close the poll out. We'll check that uh, here in a shortly once it gets through processing. And we're uh, just shortly before the top of the hour here. Um, what have we overlooked? Oh, I know. It was the question I told you I was going to try not to not forget. So you were talking about working with banks, processors, that, that sort of thing. I think that's a smart move rather than going to the individual level. But those entities are governed by all types of regulations. So my question is, are there any hurdles that you've seen in talking with those banks and financial institutions or whatever? Are there any hurdles working with crypto or specifically Tusk that are regulatory in nature? Like there's some type of a roadblock there. So most of the risk of, so I actually um, had a meeting with the bank president on Tuesday of a local five branch bank who's interested not only in getting into crypto, but working with our blockchain. So understand how a blockchain is created and launched, puts it into one of, um, from a regulatory standpoint, whether or not it's an illegal security or not. That's the big one. Is it a security or not? And so when we launched, we were very cognizant on how we launched and we launched in a kind of unique way, even by crypto standards, because we gave our whole supply away for free. So we didn't sell tokens or coins. And so by doing that, that kind of took us outside the illegal security bucket, which makes it actually very easy for people to work with us. Um, the problem is so many crypto projects by current regulations are considered illegal securities. So a lot of banks and other people won't go anywhere near them, even if they think they might be an illegal security, they don't want to get involved. And so we we believe that we launched correctly and, and follow it and we're very compliant. We're not doing anything illegal, you know, at all. And so 
Um, because of that, it does actually make it easier for big players to work with us. Now it's about building confidence that they should work with us. Right. So I think the biggest barrier to growth so far with like the, the American fiat, American, let's just say money, uh, we call it fiat exchanges. Um, in this in this world, well, we mean they'll accept dollars, meaning you can buy like a crypto with a credit card at these exchanges, essentially is what that means. And uh, most of the American exchanges have been very leery about listing us, which would make it a lot easier for us to grow if we were not involved with the gun sector. And that's a political decision policy issue. It's not a legal one. But that's probably been our, honestly, that's been the biggest hindrance to our growth. Because if we could get, um, because that's prohibited, it made it hard for us to get like trade volume and liquidity, which would help a lot for retailers um, because a lot of these exchanges won't list us. Now, how we're getting around, how we're trying to solve that problem is we're going to be working with more decentralized exchanges. But then we did a big upgrade to our network last fall and to allow for what we call NFT creation and asset creation in addition to payments. So we basically increased our capabilities to allow people to create NFTs on our blockchain. And so because of that, that kind of will help get us out of the gun area a lot. Um, so we already have a lot of people in other industries that want to build NFTs on our blockchain, including for art and historic documents and and sports related kind of stuff. So we believe that will help make uh, the hesitating exchanges more likely to work with us. Okay. So that's one of the things we're doing. So it just takes time because we recognize, look, this is a true. And, and, and you talk to a lot of influencers, too, that maybe you do gun stuff and something else. And they'll tell you the same thing that being an influencer in the gun space is really hard. Where, whereas if you go into another industry that's not controversial or political, it's actually you can make a lot more money just because anybody will work with you. And so those are those things that like, you know, I'm still going to spend more of my time still working with the gun industry because that's still more important to me personally. But um, I would be happy if there was another me that got involved with the project and they say they wanted to work with the cannabis industry or work with the exactly. art world or work with, you know, some of these other sectors and just go to their conferences. Right. Yeah. So but again, I'm only one person and I have to choose and pick and choose where I, I can spend my time. I am choosing to spend my time with the gun space because that's right. something I'm very I'm passionate about. I've been very passionate about it for a long time. And so that's where I'm going to keep going. Um, but if there's low hanging fruit, so to speak, with people in other industries that want to still work with us, I'll certainly welcome them aboard. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe the, the contact I shared with you on the cannabis side of things, I mean, maybe something could be worked out there where they can take the ball and run with it. It's nice to to hear you say, which for those that come in late, uh, Rob was talking about that earlier, that, you know, this is not a company, an LLC, you know, anything in that sense that, you know, everybody is a part of it. Everybody contributes. Everybody makes the decisions. Um, Guns and Barbecue out there. Uh, did clarify, he said that you'd mentioned uh, it cost thousands to reach out to FFLs individually, and he was wondering if they had a flyer uh, that uh, somebody could drop off. And yeah, Rob uh, answered that, said uh, there is one there. Let's take a look at the poll real quick before we uh, get out of here. Uh, do you currently own any crypto? Ended at uh, 35%. Yes, I do. So people that joined early, apparently people that joined the conversation early, and this makes sense, uh, were people that had some knowledge apparently of crypto because it started out way higher than 35% and it slowly dropped off. 
so that that's that makes sense people that were interested in crypto were the first to join and so thanks for all those that jumped in live and had the questions uh no but considering it that's a good thing at 33 percent. no i never will and i say never say never at 30 percent. but heck that's that's two-thirds that are at least at least you know, open-minded about crypto i think which is a good thing that guy's still shooting a 1911 too isn't he uh, don't talk bad. I got a I got a new nineteen eleven <laughs> coming. Don't talk, but mine's in ten millimeter that's coming. But oh, dude, uh, that's that's a whole other ball of wax there. We can unpack. <laughs> right, but no, I, right. I always joke around. It's the guys. So like, I've been on some. I've been on some interviews and streams, and these guys will come at like they'll come at it from it's the mark of the beast, and it's like it's always some like old guy that's you know you just imagine. But, I've heard my great grandparents, and then I think maybe my grandparents, because they were kind of in that age when things come around. But like checks were the mark of the beast with my great grandparents. Checks of all things, and then debit cards, credit cards were the mark of the beast. Like with my grandparents, right? It's. it's I think if you're going to get close to the mark of the beast, it's going to be the government issued crypto they're building right now. So the Federal Reserve is building a crypto, their own crypto. And I think that's probably the closest to going to be the mark of the beast of any other technology I've seen, because sure. they're going to be able to cut you off. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be a real crypto. They're creating another digital money, right. but it's really not any different than the dollar. Yeah. Right. But but what's going to happen is and this is what I think is going to happen, because a lot of us talk about this stuff. Like, I mean, a lot of us in this space, we're absolutely got our ears to the I mean, there was an interesting IRS thing I heard today and I already sent it over to my CPA about an interesting way that the irs looked at something from a crypto tax thing and i'm like i'm like email my cpa i mean look at this he's like that's actually very interesting um but so we're a lot of us are looking at the regulations and and hearing what the politicians are saying and hearing what the regulators are saying and trying to guess where are they going to go but i would say the the government i believe the dollar is dying that's my honest opinion the dollar is dying um, they're trying to limit the people lifeboats. They don't want people going into crypto to get out of that system when it dies. They're going to be launching a government-issued crypto or quasi-crypto. It's not a real crypto. It's not decentralized anyway. But the problem is they're going to. It's not going to be. It's not going to be anonymous or pseudo-anonymous in any way. They're going to know exactly who you are. The government itself will know exactly who's buying what and where, and they're going to make it so you can't buy certain things. And that's about as close as it can get to the mark of the beast in the Bible, if that's your thing. The, on the other hand, you can go look at github.com and look at our source code and see that we're not the mark of the beast, and we don't have the ability to limit buying or selling, and we can't force you to use our coin to buy and sell things. Right. So, so understand we are not the mark of the beast. And you can look at the code when the U.S. government launches or the Federal Reserve launches their code. It's not going to be open source and you're not going to be able to look at their code. Right. Um, so I always say that's the true mark of the beast as far as I can tell. If that's your if it's your if that's your philosophical belief, I think that's probably going to beat the definition. Right. And, you know, we're always dealing with the law of diffusion of innovation. Uh, and if you're not familiar with that, Simon Sinek has some great videos on that. Go check those out. Uh, they relate to a lot of different things in life. And so, you know, the, the people on the tail end of things that never adopt a new technology, the people still using their landline, rotary phone, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, the thing is, those people are, you know, you would say that in a way you sort of feel sorry for people that don't 
at least get on board late, right? On the latter part of that curve, you think, oh man, those people got totally left out. In their mind, they're not left out. So realize that there's always going to be a certain amount that it doesn't matter what it is, what we're talking about. Uh, they just, you know, they don't want to buy into it. They don't want to adopt into it. Um, you spoke uh, briefly about NFTs and we're already up against uh, time here, Rob. So hopefully we can have you back. And are you game to talk NFTs maybe a little later on? I could talk three times longer on NFT technology and those applications that I could probably talk about Tusk. Awesome. Because I think so, that the technology for those is actually so amazing and going right. to do a lot for everybody. Right. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely have you back and do that. Um, as for this one, I'm going to give you a uh, minute or two. Where can people find you? Where can people reach out, ask questions, all of that jazz? Perfect. Um, I'm really easy to get a hold of. So our website for Tusk is this TUSC.network, TUSC.network, TUSC.network. And then if you just want to reach out to me personally, I, I'm, I spend a lot of time on Twitter. Um, so just at Rob McNeely on Twitter or basically anywhere. But I'm really easy to get a hold of. And I'm easy to get a hold of on Discord. I'm easy to get a hold of on Minds. Easy to get a hold of on Telegram. I'm literally just at Rob McNeely pretty much everywhere. Um, and so, yeah, reach out if you have questions, got any interest in helping out or learning more about it. I, I give one-on-one -on -one conversations all the time. So, I'm like I said, hit me up in the DMs and I'll be happy to help you. Awesome. Thanks again, Rob, for uh, joining. That's going to do it. A lot of technical, a lot of everything else. If you lasted an hour and five minutes or so in replay, bless you because you're a trooper. If uh, you came in live, if you stuck around live, if you've listened to all this, go back and check out the replay. If you don't understand anything, obviously you can reach out to Rob if you have questions and stuff like that. But uh, we're going to shut this one off. Uh, so next, until next time, I should say, don't forget to chain fire freedom.